Podcast. That's right. That's that's the total uh, tone of the episode is going to just go straight NPR. We're going to just lean in real close to the microphones. That's right. Do the whole did thing people tell this. you growing up that you had a voice for radio? <laughs> no, no, actually, but they did say face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> oh, that's I love funny. it. I love it. No, I, I actually, um, I was never told I had a like a, a good voice for radio. Were you? No, we, we should voice, not. Be. I have a, I have I have a terrible voice for radio <laughs> because I actually because, think you do have good voices for radio. Oh, so that's sweet. how you know it's going to be a good episode that's when your so guest nice. compliments you right out of the gate. Wow. I love it. My 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 voice is uh, I have a, an Irish tenor voice, so mm-hmm. I have a high voice. Yeah, which is fun when you're yeah, when you're at karaoke night. Right, <laughs> but not when you're trying to be impressive around. About big strong monsters and stuff. Like, right, like right. When I'm being hunted by by but gorillas, you, or, but you could serenade or them. cave monsters. You or, could serenade them because, for the record, biofriendly audience and Amani, um, Noel has a beautiful singing voice. I oh, he does. No I, he has. I do. He <laughs> 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 Just kidding. See, you do have a good voice. Uh, no, he has a very very pretty singing voice. I've always thought like. We've talked about for years starting a dad band, and there's like without a doubt, I know who the front man, who the lead singer is. This guy, there you go. right well, there. Well, you two have a cover too, right? Yeah, You're a good oh, contrast voice. Yes. I always lose though because because uh, because we know Brendan, and oh, so I always feel true. like oh, I'm the best singer, but I'm not the best singer. Yeah, that's know. true. We do know we do we, we do know a better singer. We do know, but that's okay. I'm yeah. settled for a backup. I can be. I can. I look good in a go-go dancer dress. That's all right. All right, well, you know, we've already let our guest speak without even properly well, introducing. Uh, that's what I'm getting. I'm going to get. So, you're so slack off today, Jacob. <laughs> I'm terrible. Get off the, get on the I'm ball. Terrible. Well, for those who are just now listening and not watching, you've heard the voice in the background and heard today we are welcoming on the Biofriendly Podcast Imani Hamilton. She is a sustainable designer and consultant. And the thing about Amani and why she's on the show today is, you know how we're often kind of flying by the seat of our pants here? You we mean like this moment exactly? Like this moment, right like now? what you've yeah. heard up until now? Yeah, poor Amani. Normally, <laughs> normally we give our guest a chance to like catch up and say hello. And we say, yeah. hey, so, you know, welcome to the show. Right, don't worry. Right. It's, it's a relaxed environment. Yes. Uh, we're not going to make you look foolish. We, like <laughs> we just be, dove right just, in. But this time we just started without yeah. any setup. Exactly. So... But, that's that's gonna that's gonna make Imani better though I think I have a good feeling I have a good feeling about this one that we're doing. but that was fair warning to the audience that Imani's just been thrown into the fire yes but <laughs> right that's now. but she's here because she knows what she's talking about she that's, does yes it's I true. found a guest uh, I'm sorry Imani you don't qualify for our show <laughs> we don't like to have people who know what they're talking about yeah, that's number one she's, just, just kidding she's here and she's gonna share about uh, environmental choices that people can make both personally yeah professionally yeah to help us. Save the planet. What? Yes. You mean, That's, you mean today we're going to actually save today the planet? Today we're going to save the planet, okay. and it's with our guest, this Amani Hamilton. This is great. So welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Amani. Thank you. Yeah. I am so happy to be here, and yeah. I think I, I really like your podcast and that you bring humor and optimism to this to this topic, because yes. I think, like, are you telling me that for some reason years of doom forecasting has not really worked for people as far as getting motivated, right? Isn't that a surprise? It's surprise, a shocker, right? right? <laughs> like, 
It's yeah. weird that after decades of people saying it's never going to work, we're all going to die, that you eventually go like, I don't want to listen to this anymore. <laughs> right. Not particularly motivating. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And yet, it is time to focus on environmental action. Um, Absolutely. Especially as we come out of this pandemic. Yes. I saw a really great stat from McKinsey yesterday that 70% of leaders expect large-scale changes in their companies whether it's leadership practices, technology, or operations as a result of the pandemic. So what an opportunity, right, to come out of this with sustainability as a cornerstone of of many of these practices. Well, yeah. right. If you if, if you have to change anyway, you may as well you may as well throw in a, a sustainable, uh, right. You know, option on this whole thing. Because no, well, yeah, that, that's exactly. that's right. I mean, it's 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 a, it's it's a it's a sensible thing to do, and and it's good to good to find out that uh, that that's going on. Yeah. Nice. Exactly. And I think a lot of people ask me about whether I'm optimistic. Right. We've got a long way to go, but. The answer is yes. I think we we do know how to slow our emissions and we do know how to slow consequently global warming and to the level that scientists have told us is critical for our species survival and the planets, right? So we actually yeah. have all the information, um, but we just need to get it out there. And that's part of what I'm doing here today is as a sustainable designer, um, I see myself as kind of a translator for a lot of this information that I've come across in my research. Perfect. So. We, we need translators. We need translators. Exactly. So yeah. typically I'm helping manufacturers or designers look at making more environmental choices or decarbonizing their designs. But with your broader audience, I'm taking the opportunity to basically talk about some of these actionable choices we can all be making, um, whether you're at the Thanksgiving table or whether you're at the virtual conference room table. Any of these are things that we can we can bring into those settings. Um, yeah. Sure. I often have... I often have my virtual um, Thanksgiving table like combined. <laughs> so I usually do like the virtual meeting table and my Thanksgiving table same same time. So yeah. I feast. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, so some of these will work for both. Great. Yeah. So that's I what will I needed. call out what we can do as consumers. Yeah. But I will also point out some of these industrial level kinds of things that can be done in case you you listener happen to be in a position to affect a whole company. Well, um, I'll, I'll tell you what. We, we've got, we've yes. got, uh, we, we cover, you know, we've been doing this, I think we're on like 80, 86, eight, no, we this do, is episode 87. We do a few of these and, and we cover a lot of this stuff from time to time. So definitely want to know your point of view on, on, uh, on a lot of this stuff, but let's first dig in on what it is exactly that you do, because I think that what excited us about having you on the show was what, wh- what is it about sustainable design? What is about what you do with sustainable design that could be interesting to the audience and that, that could inform them in their, in their lives and what they're doing and to find out what, what other people are doing and what's out there. And then I think we can dig into a fun little uh, back and forth on, on, uh, on, on uh, what's, what's going on in the environment and how yeah. we can save it, yeah. how we can fix the entire problem today. Today. That's the plan. <laughs> get started today. Yes. yes get started. Um, well, we, we like to make impossible goals, um, <laughs> claim that we've completed them, and then, yes. and then come back the next yeah, week. Exactly. No, but, but uh, yeah, so, so real, real quick. Tell us about you. Just what to start you off, what is, what is, what is sustainable sure. design? Sure. Um, so I have my own sustainable design and consulting practice, Imani Mm. Hamilton design. Um, I design what that means is I design with basically non-toxic and environmentally sustainable materials and low carbon design practices. Um, I'm also currently working on some exciting collaborative research around closed loop design, which I'll talk a little more about. Cool. Um, I have an architecture degree, but in high school and college, I worked in architecture firms long enough to realize I didn't want to become an architect. So today I focus on sustainable design for mostly physical products and interiors. And 
when I talk about products, um, a lot of times that's consumer goods. So that could be, I've worked with shoes or um, home goods or furniture companies, some with other companies and some of my own, some of those designs are my own. Yeah. Um, but so one it's sustainable design of like, of all, of everything across mm-hmm. the board from, from buildings to, to shoes to anthills. It mm-hmm. turns out that when you study materials and toxins, a lot of those things, it doesn't matter what scale you're operating at, right? So Very cool. Gotcha. Yeah. A lot of those things apply to many different situations, and I've, with each of these experiences, I learn more and more about each of these specific settings, too. So one client example um, is, that's a good example maybe of the product side, is Full Circle. So you've maybe seen their products in Whole Foods or online. Sure. And they yeah. make yeah, kitchen cleaning goods and equipment. Um, right. And they really demonstrated when I was working with them at the time the viability of bioplastics, right? Okay. So in intense cleaning environments, right? Arguably the kitchen sink is one of the toughest environments you could put something into. And the durability and viability of that kind of thing. They also do sponges made of walnut holes and things that help us as a product first, not a A for effort kind of sustainable product, but Mm -hmm. a really a solid product that people want to use. Allbirds kind of used the same strategy, right? They came out with a great comfy shoe and then people realized it was sustainable. And I think that's the, that's the level we need to hold sustainable design to. Right. Um, that it's a, that it actually works. That the product actually yes. works. That right. it's not sustainable and it just dissolves or falls apart. And you're like it's sustainable, but it, exactly. it doesn't last. Well, and that's another that's another interesting side to the whole equation, right? Is that some sometimes you go out and you make something that's that's really great, and then it turns out that that really great thing you made for its purpose is also sustainable. And hey, we've discovered that, so let's let's get that out yeah. as far and wide as we possibly can. Yeah. Right. And yeah. when I'm working with people, we're, we're embedding that in from the beginning, right? But the it's key great. is as a consumer, you don't necessarily, the sustainability is a side benefit in some ways, right? First, it's a great product for you. Yeah. Um, so the other category of work that I'm in is still, I still work within buildings and architecture and interior design and mm-hmm. furnishings. Cool. Um, and two projects that I want to illustrate that, um, one is that I spent over two years working at the Google R&D lab for new campus development. Fun. Um, while Whoa. working for a firm called Vital. Um, and for confidentiality reasons, I really can't say too much more than that. But I can say I worked with a lot of really amazing So we're going to press you on this issue. Like, who is, what exactly? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell well, you, but then I have to kill you. Yeah. Here's what I can tell you. Um, okay. It did teach me a lot about the blend of buying power and yeah. sustainable requisites. Yes. And how large companies can, with that buying power, basically work with their supply chain and ask them to do something like remove a toxin from a material that they use or move from a virgin to a recycled plastic, right? And and these companies make partners of those manufacturers. And then that, that by result makes that product more healthy and sustainable for everyone else down the line. And so that's an amazing way that companies can really use that lever, right, to to create sustainable change, um, yeah. but their purchasing power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then, that's, that's a big deal, isn't it? Cause, cause it's a, that, that works, that works all, all, all across it. It's what, if, if you're asking for something that, that leaves these things out, but also if you're looking for something new that might not potentially exist by being the, the large company and the large buyer, you can, you can, you can sway that for enough of that, that it yeah. now right. becomes available to people who don't have the, the large buying it's, power. Exactly. And yeah. volume is really one of the biggest ways. That's the biggest lever in that, in all of sure. that. Right. Yeah. yeah. But again, it's volume and having the principles, the sustainable principles to ask for that. Sure. So 
Um, the second project that I want to touch on today is a zero carbon home renovation project that's yeah. still ongoing that I'm working with. I was brought on as a sustainable design consultant by the general contractor. We were starting with more healthy materials and zero emissions, but I've taken we've moved the project now into a zero carbon home renovation. And basically what that means is also that we're I am calculating the carbon footprint of every material and fixture that we're considering in the renovation as part of our as part of our renovation considerations and then we are offsetting the total carbon footprint of all of those. So That's cool. Basically I couldn't do a lot of of calculating carbon footprints and decision making around that without realizing um, a lot about the drivers of carbon footprints and totally and through that research of course realizing that there are very real consumer as well as government and industrial choices that we can all be making that really do matter to slow and reverse global warming so that's part of why i'm i'm here today yeah that's awesome and our big thing here is what what are what are the what, what is the little thing what is the the easy thing what is the quick thing that you can do right now to, uh, yes. to make a change just in your life and your home. And, and so you, you bring up an, an interesting point here with, with, uh, you know, with the zero-carbon home. Now, obviously, to, to start over and build from scratch and have all the right materials is, is ideal and wonderful, but also un- impractical for a lot of people. But I'm curious, from, from, your, right. your, you know, from your expertise, uh, what would you say are you know, two to five things that somebody in their home, uh, if they were considering to do something smaller, like a, like a smaller remodel, a small change, or, or even yeah. a, like a simple thing, if anything, like something from as easy as 500 bucks to maybe I want to do a, a $20,000 change, what would be the most effective things that you would recommend? Sure. Help? So, um, well, for one, you're queuing me up well for the list of environmental choices that I'll be sharing. And yeah. What? Yeah. Are you saying it's like, like we're asking the right questions? Yes. It looks like you we've been doing this long right enough. So fire. I might, I might punt that question to when I'm going through this list okay. and I've, I've put together a little mnemonic device so that yeah. you can all remember that, um, okay. what those choices are. And then also just for those listeners out there who are link happy types, I, I have a post on my website, Imani Hamilton design as part of my climate action series where I'll include some of the links and information that I touch on today. So, so we'll share that. We'll, um, we'll get to it. We'll get to that point when she. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll get. We'll get. We'll share that link and we'll get to your question about the uh, the things that they can do on her her little thing she's going to share later. Yeah, g- give us the thing. But I wanted. No, I was going to mention Amani's in California with us. What? She's in California. Really? That's well, true. California's a huge state. It that is. Could be so anywhere she's from, not, you can be living in trees in the north, or you can be living. That's like, true. I'm yeah. from the. The frigid north. No, the very it, sunny, warm, lovely north in Oakland. So Yeah, she's ah, up in Oakland. Nice. She's, so, a, she's on the same time zone, which is nice. That is nice. Yeah. And I know that this morning you probably also are really grateful that we just have clean, breathable air this morning, right? Yes. Well, okay, so we have we had a windstorm yesterday. Yes, we did. And because because as as you know, the the state was on fire. Yeah. Um, yes. we, there was plenty of like, of, we, we were in Pasadena, so we had a lot of, uh, we have a lot of exposed, uh, topsoil. That's, uh, that's just kind of like, you know, sifting on top of things. So when the wind came, it turned everything mm. into a dust storm. So we're kind yes. of a dust bowl at the moment. Yeah. But boy, a couple days ago, it was super, great. Super clean. We were finally <laughs> having to be out of the fires and the fires up by you guys were just as bad when we were on fire down here. Cause that's where all those yes. photos were coming out that people were taking the images of the of the orange sky, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I want to talk about too today is I think like 
the day the sky turned orange was a truly unforgettable day, right? So yeah, those yeah. photos were seen worldwide. That was happening outside my window. I awoke and it appeared as though the sun never rose, right? The smoke was actually blocking the sunlight. So ash was raining from the sky. There was it was actually on my coffee table and the windowsills and it was horrifying. It was yeah, yeah. it was it was, it was I, intense. I, it was intense, but I yeah. also think and here's connecting back to like let's let's stay with the positive side of these things. That really was a turning point. I think I believe that that day took a lot of people in California who generally accept that climate change is real and we have something to do with it and I think turn them into climate activists. Like we yeah. need people looking around saying we need to do something, right? Right. And I think that that again is why in this moment in time it's time to get information into the hands of people, right? What are some of these simple things that we can all be doing? Because it actually does matter what all of these, the choices that we make as consumers and as professionals in various industries, right? So, yeah. and there's a lot of momentum that yeah. since that day, since the day the sky turned orange, there's been an absolute groundswell of companies and countries that are making carbon reduction pledges or single-use plastic bans and those headlines are all over. They're some of our largest companies and countries, and that's exciting, right? Yeah. Um, that sounds like a great title for a film, by the way. The day the sky turned orange. Sounds like a I good apocalyptic so. film. I feel like I'm we should make that. I'm wearing orange kind of today for... Yeah, yeah. To, <laughs> well, what, so, so obviously, since you said that that caused people to be activists, obviously you were in this game a lot earlier than the than the sky being orange and the fire. So what was the thing that, like, why did this become your career trajectory? Why did you land into sustainable design? Yep. I love that we're talking about this. I think, um, so I recently joined the Climate Reality Leadership Corps, which is founded by Al Gore, and he ran mm. the week-long training. And in addition to talking a lot about climate facts, we spent a ton of time talking about what they call our climate stories. And so I think this perspective of, of getting out our why and all of us sharing our stories is so important because people really relate to stories rather than stats, right? And the sure. point is, like, we need those to, to sort of get us motivated to do something. So my climate story is sort of a three-chapter three part. Um, and the first is when my childhood, I was raised environmentalist by my parents. I'm from Durham, North Carolina, which is a couple hours to the beach, a couple hours to the mountains. Yeah. I spent most of my childhood in the mountains, um, and I was learning to forage for mushrooms and berries, and we were going for hikes and backpacking from a very young age, and rather than learning how to swim in a pool, I learned how to swim in a lake, and that was where my parents had managed to have a little cabin that served as our home base. And Yeah. That's huge, right? That's huge. Like whenever all, all of our guests, and we've hit, we've hit on this many times before, which is like the ones who come from Canada, but people mm -hmm. who grow up with environments around them that are beautiful, it really has such huge. a lasting impact on you when you have, you know, hikes, nature, streams. Yes. It really leaves a lasting I mean, impact. The, the on editor you. of uh, of our our uh, our our magazine, Biofamily yeah. Planet magazine, she always says step one is get outside. Yeah. Step yeah, one is get outside, exactly. right? That's step exactly. one. Exactly. And yeah. I think the other part of it, though, right, are some of the, and part of our climate stories are some of the stressors, right, that we experienced or, like, the first signs of it. And I remember in North Carolina, that was, our extreme weather is basically, it's droughts, it's hurricanes, it's... right. And I sort of am only joking, it's like the whisper of one inch of snow because no one knows how to handle snow, but... 
<laughs> Growing up in droughts, I I really with my parents, I really learned, and especially with water restrictions when those occurred, I learned what to do. We did everything we could. We were collecting water in bowls on, in the sinks, right? We were collecting our gray water from washing our hands or sure. vegetables, and then we were using those to flush toilets, right? People may not right. know this, but you can no, just it, pour it, that it, in the back of a tank of a toilet and flush it. And by doing that, we were reusing water twice, right? So right. that paired with things like my mom got cisterns that captured the water straight from our gutters and then hid those behind bushes. And those were what watered our plants. And these were things that I learned as a kid and have really stuck with me. And I think the second part of my climate story was after after my first job in the Bay Area and a career transition opportunity, I took the moment to travel in Southeast Asia. And I was in some of the world's most beautiful landscapes like Halong Bay, ha, Bay in uh, Vietnam. That's okay. I mispronounce those... things on the show all <laughs> the time. That is that is my go-to. I'm sure I still didn't pronounce it right. But you I'm know sure you did better gist. than I did. Tell, tell it to me. What's it called? Halong Bay. Halong Bay. So it's I'm sure you've probably seen the photos. It's these beautiful limestone islands and cliffs, yeah. and they're surrounded by water. And it's UNESCO World Heritage Sites, right? These wow. are places we're supposed to see. And everywhere you looked, there was plastic trash, absolutely everywhere. It was in clumps by collected by the boats and the water. It was yeah. in coves. It was all over the beaches, and it was horrifying. And yeah. I, that's what I call my plastic problem turning point. Um, and I was on the other side of the Pacific ocean and I could recognize plenty of that trash. And so that was when I came back and started really studying plastic types, how they were recycled, um, what our alternatives are most importantly. And that's things like bioplastics, which I'll talk a little more about. Um, and then finally the third is just 10 years of living in California will make a person adore nature. And the scale of everything is much bigger than the East Coast, and it's dramatically beautiful from the flora and the fauna and the redwood yeah. trees. And and sustainably-minded individuals are really not that hard to find, right? They're no closer than the next Prius or pair of Birkenstocks. And yet, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we haven't done that much about it, right? Yeah. And that's what's kind of interesting about this the day the sky turned orange is it's this visible, apparent symbol of what could come, or not symbol, but experience of what could come. And I think that that is another reason why that really was a turning point, could be a turning point for our generation. And and it's why I think it's important that we keep caring about sharing our climate stories um, like those, which is kind of why I wanted to turn that back on you two and find out, you know, why why do you host an entire podcast today dedicated to sustainability? The fame. Your- the fame. <laughs> Right? Don't you think? No. Well, you know, We're it's interesting. It. My 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 uh, my 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 take. I, I I agree with I agree with a lot of a lot of what you're saying, but I actually have a I have a slightly different different take on it, which is what got me into into environmentalism and into this podcast nice. in particular. Yeah. Um. So I, I think that California in particular, it's great. We have we've we've I mean, yeah, droughts. I we we know about droughts here, particularly yep. in Southern California. Um, yeah. There's yes. there's not as much water down here uh, as you even have up there. <laughs> Yep. Um, and, and, uh, and we're often, often dealing with droughts and often dealing with the same kind of problems you're talking about. And the sky has been orange. I mean, the sun has been orange here. Unfortunately, in Southern California, we get a lot, because it's, there's less water, we get fires. All, I mean, I've, I've lived here my whole life, and we, I, it's like they happen every year. Yeah. Yeah, um, and exactly. it's, and it's, and it's, it's you know, and it's, uh, and it's, 
and it has always been disturbing. It's always been, and it's like a constant yes. reminder, right? Um, yep. And yet, it goes back to the point that you say, uh, which is that that uh, that you know we could be doing more with all that, with all this information, with a with a with a state that is is riddled with opportunities to to be greener, to know about the environment, to know about environmentalism. Um, some stuff gets done, and I think you know right. you gotta you gotta gotta you know applaud that. But we you know we always could could do more. And uh, what what I found is that that uh, it's it's. I think it's a problem of, of the messenger, and I think it's a problem of the message. And I think that that it's it's got to be uh, it's it's got to be made easy. And I know that's a mm-hmm. terrible thing to say that to most activists because it's it's most of what we as activists do is not easy. It's it's, it's the it's the, the the grunt work, the harder work, the the yep. you know the the the, the big things. Um, yeah. But I think that to make it as a planet and to make it as environmentalists, we have to find the things that are simple. We have to find the things, the little yes. changes people can make and to put in little habits because in the end it's your day gets your day gets in the way of totally what you want to do for for anything, right? Like we have yep. we have problems that face us every day. You have things that come in front of people every day. And yes. so what can you do to fix those problems every day? And that's that's why yeah, that's why I'm into this. That's why we got into this was to 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 find ways to make to make the whole topic easier to to confront. And to do little things that can make yep. a difference and to have some basic knowledge that, that can get the job done. So not the fame? Ex- not the fame? No, of course. <laughs> of course I'm here to be famous. I mean, that's like, you know, the side effects oh, are, no. are, are, yeah, are, are great. We are going to run know. out of time, though, Amani. So uh, I, I know, I know you've got you know, a lot of stuff you want to get into. So yeah. we, do, we do need to, jump to, into we do yeah. need to come around. I want to hear this. Actually, that's why this, I think you tipped it off well because you said the you simple things. Perfectly. Yes. And then you had earlier said the thing about what are the things we can do. So we this is the perfect time. This is it. To dive in. Dive in. Let's dive in. <laughs> so diving in, there's a couple things I want to talk about first, which is context, right? We need a little bit. So the goal is an important thing. Like I said, the scientists have told us these things. We just need to implement them. So the goal right. is that we have until 2030 at the latest to reduce our total global emissions by 65%. And by doing that, we're basically holding global warming to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels. So that's about 35 degrees Fahrenheit. And by the way, that's happening already in certain parts of the world. And so we right. don't have time to waste, right? The good news is that there is an amazing organization called Drawdown that recently came out with the top 100 strategies that exist today that we can implement to slow and reverse global warming in time. So nice. they've ranked them, they've calculated the cost, and they've calculated how much carbon potential it has to draw down. So it's only proven, It's only there's no unproven methods in there. It's only what we know today. So some technologies could change the equation. But sure. the point is that there's no silver bullet. There's several strategies, and we need to do all of them. And right. the top ones after number one and two, utility, wind, and solar, are a reducing food waste and a plant-rich diet. And some of those are consumer, very much consumer-focused right, goals, right. right? So the only other piece of context really is right global warming, how it occurs, greenhouse gases are building up in the Earth's atmosphere and trapping the sun's energy with us, basically. And the problem is that we are creating too many of those greenhouse gases. Right. So those greenhouse gases are carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, and fluorinated gases. And the first three exist both in natural settings as well as as emissions from machines, right? So the machines that burn fuel 
um, especially our transportation machines and our manufacturing machines, those create emissions. And they're the main reason why we have global warming. Right. The fluorinated gases and other things in this category are products of industrial processes. And this is not a sexy topic, but refrigerants, for example, this is a huge opportunity area because if we can figure out a lower carbon version of a refrigerant, we will make enormous strides in this space to reduce global warming. Right now, one of our current best options is carbon dioxide itself, right? Which is obviously not not very right. low carbon. Yeah. And then the other side of these equa- of the equation from uh, emissions are carbon sinks. So those are trees and plants, and that's why we need to protect our existing forests and, and plant new ones, and then choose materials. So when you're talking about building a house, right? Choosing materials that actually sequester carbon in them right and and choosing those that are more carbon negative in that way materials rather than ones like cement or plastics that are carbon intensive yeah um the other piece in this is that we need to conserve resources we're using two times earth's natural resources in a year so meaning it doesn't have enough time to regenerate Right. And the way that we're going to do that is something called closed loop design, which is basically it's known as a circular economy as well or circular design. And it's about material flows. So our current model is very linear where we're buying resource or sorry, we're extracting resources, making products, consumers buy them and they go to the landfill. Today, our global economy is what they call 8% circular, meaning that 92% of the natural of the raw materials that we extract are never reused or recycled. So mm. if you stop and think about that for a second, that is a huge amount of opportunity, right? Yeah. Right, sure. So how do we process, how do we bend that process into a circular one? We basically, we focus on reuse, which is extending the use of the materials that we've extracted and embracing secondhand and vintage, antique, whatever you want to call it, Sure. Yeah. as well as recycling. And yeah. recycling is not dead. It is evolving, right? China stopped taking our most of our plastic. We need to be processing more of it domestically, and we also need to be using this as an opportunity area, right? Yeah. Consumers are also demanding more recycled plastics. And in yeah. the future, things like batteries, as we all electrify, we're going to need the ability to recycle those rare earth metals. So yeah. another huge opportunity area. Um, right. And then the third part of a closed loop economy or a circular economy is partnerships. So my favorite example here is Ford is currently using the coffee waste chaff from McDonald's to make headlights for their cars. What? And they are, they're exploring this, right? And this is a great example of closed loop thinking, how one company's waste can actually be the fundamental material for another company. Coffee headlights from McDonald's. (laughs) Exactly. And by the way, like they might even pay you for that, right? And isn't that a feature you can get behind where companies are looking to each other to create this more closed loop thinking. So it's crazy. So that's some of the context. And and now, now I'm going to hit you with the, with the real stuff. So, Oh, that wasn't the real stuff. That was all make believe. This is the mnemonic device. (laughs) And this is how we remember the environmental choices that we can form. So it's, W is for water, E is for electrify our machinery, um, C is for compost, A is for advocate for the planet, um, N is for no new plastic, F is for food waste, O is for only what you need, R is for resourcefulness, and yeah. M is for meat, 
being more of a special occasion thing. So now I'll jump into what each of those are. We can form is the acronym, right? We can form. And then the content are the environmental choices. So everybody who's listening, if you're in a situation, you need to think in your head, we can form as, as, as a thing that they can hold on to. Right. Exactly. So put that in your back pocket. And when you're trying to remember it, hopefully you can. Okay. This is what you would tell somebody when, when Noel asked earlier, he said, you know, you're somebody's got a house and yep. they can't do that renovation. They can only spend a couple hundred bucks. Maybe they can do yes. the 20,000 thing. But this is this would be the Amani Hamilton approved advice <laughs> of what you would yes. tell them in this situation. All right. Let her right. rip. And there are a few of these that would apply to this home situation. So yeah. W is for water. And water from a pipe in our kitchen is a human feat. And we need to treat it like the precious resource that it is. Right. Mm, so sure. accessible drinking drinking water, drinkable fresh water basically is only 1% of the water on the planet. So every glass of water that you get has a carbon footprint. It's all of the emissions associated with getting that water to you. And when you pour it down the drain, that carbon footprint goes up something like four times because of us then needing to treat that wastewater, right? So when, when we have to desalinize ocean water, by the way, that energy footprint goes way Way up. up. So we need to focus on on preserving the water that we have. So on an industrial level, if you work in a process that uses water, especially food and beverage or textile or automotive, you are the biggest drivers and you can look for ways to reduce your water consumption. In buildings, like I was saying, we have a huge opportunity to implement gray water systems. It's actually not legal in every state right now. So first we need policy to legalize that in every state for gray water and rainwater use. And then we need designers to implement those systems. It's crazy that we use drinking water to flush our toilets in the u.s mm. um we can drink also, that water we can drink the toilet water of course you can <laughs> it's oh. the same it's potable water Jake, we so, had an episode just I'll a couple right weeks back. ago oh, yeah, on, on water i know <laughs> <laughs> we do these things and then, and then like, i just bring one ear out the other in one ear out the other mm-hmm. who's on today Anyway, go ahead. Anyway. And then as consumers also, we can do what we can to be water conscious. I love a good shower as long, a long shower as much as the next person, but water efficient shower heads, saving water elsewhere. Or if you're in the process to be able to put a gray water system in your house, look at that. Right. Okay. The second topic is electrify. So as consumers, it's focusing on electrifying our machinery, which is especially you want to be. So now we're at the home renovation question. You want to be looking at your top energy consumers, right? So those are your cars, your heating and cooling, your water heaters, um, and then things like your washer, dryer, your LED lighting. Sure. Even stoves. Your PlayStation 5. Right? Everything. All of those. As you replace them, or if you can now. So she's saying you can no longer have a petroleum-powered PlayStation 5. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's not going to work. I was so proud of my petroleum-powered. I know, but you can't use it. So one of the things I actually do want to talk about, though, in this, right? So like cars, or say in a theoretical world where you did have a petroleum-powered PlayStation 2, (laughs) if you love those things, right? Like this is not a a hard and fast rule. We're humans, and there are tensions in all of these, right? Yes. One yes, of the it's things, true. One of the things, or or flights, right? So when you think about other machines we use for transportation, yep. here's a quick rule of thumb. The lower the ground, the lower the carbon emissions. So a ship is less than a car is less, or sorry, less than a rail car is less mm-hmm. than a truck is less than a plane is less than a 
spaceship, right? We're about to right. be taking rockets to other planets. Those right. are even higher. Yeah. So, so always travel I by like, submarine. Always travel. <laughs> Subterranean. That's a good I rule. I like to take flights and travel and do all these things as well, right? But right. for example, a cross-country flight, an offset for that is on average $15. So if you can't change the source of fuel for the, your machinery, right, consider looking at offsets or just consider looking at yeah, making fewer yeah, trips sure. or talked about that. telecommute instead or take a take a train instead of a plane, right? Yeah. So there are ways that once you know this kind of information, you can apply those in your life. Um, and as consumers, what we do, right, so if you're electrifying your machinery but also electrifying your home, right, producing, using solar or other geothermal, other renewable sources to power your home, um, which, by the way, solar just became the least expensive power in history. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, It's it's because zero emissions energy is electric, right? So um, all fuel-based forms of power, those are the ones that create the emissions. And as our our industrial-level energy providers, they continue to shift away from fossil fuels and towards renewable energy the footprint, the carbon footprint of the energy that comes to you will, will continue to get lower and lower, right, as we continue to make more renewable energy, which is happening. A majority of, of power plants that have been uh, constructed in the last year, they're renewable energy. We're, as an industry, shifting. But yeah. what we can do as consumers also is electrify our machinery as we can to run on that yeah. also more renewable energy. C is for compost. Right. As things, as natural things biodegrade, they release methane, which is 25, 28 times more powerful than carbon dioxide. So over its first 20 years. So composting is a way that we basically, when you take an apple core and you throw it in a landfill, it emits methane openly. When you throw it in the compost, that methane is managed. So we compost natural things, but we also can compost things like bioplastics. Like my phone case is a bioplastic and a the last one at the year after using it, I threw it in the compost. And that's where we should be heading with materials as well, right? Right. So industrially, that's what we need to do, shift towards biodegradable bioplastics. Um, And if you think compost is gross, I think one thing I do is just I use a plant pot with a, a bag and twist it. There's no lid, so it makes it less gross. And just either look for the municipal green bin or find out if there's a private provider. Cool. Um. A is for advocate. So we are social beings. Influence, share this information, and this year vote, right? That's an important thing always Absolutely. for the environment. Yeah. Um, N is for no new plastic because we need to recycle what we've already created, and new plastic has a high carbon footprint. Um, so in some cases, plastic is a great material, though, right? So look for recycled plastic or plastics one and two, which are the ones that are actively recycled. Or yeah. if you can, look for just plastic free right so many personal care items now are plastic free um or Mm -hmm. look for bioplastics f is for food waste if food waste were a country it would be the third largest carbon emitter behind the u.s and china so we need to reduce food waste this is an industrial level problem as well if we changed our um use by and sell by expiration dates that would have a huge impact so that's an opportunity area but as consumers we need to also eat local so that there's fewer carbon emissions for our transportation and, and do things like freeze food before they're going bad, right? Right. Or just, which brings us to the next point, oh, 
get only what you need, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for the designers and engineers and makers out there, this actually is kind of an exciting design challenge, right? Do more with less. Yeah. Um, and then the R is for resourcefulness. It's no need to reinvent the three R's, right? Reduce, reuse, recycle. And I've already talked about the importance of those. Yeah, definitely. And then finally, M is meat. So meat, especially red meat, needs to be for special occasions. So as I said, number four on our top solutions is a plant-rich diet. And we reduce livestock-based methane, plastic packaging, carbon-intensive shipping, and we even save rainforests deforestation by eating less meat because that's a major reason why we are cutting down our, our rainforests. Totally. Yeah. And I know this is hard. I'm a carnivore myself, so I yeah. relate to this. Start by cutting down to eat only the highest quality red meat, right? The best yeah, we talk about local, etc. Yeah. Yep. Or another simple start, right? If you choose one day a week to go totally vegetarian, you're reducing the problem by 15%. The more you can do, the more you reduce the problem essentially. And I've chosen like certain categories of food that I also just am going to go vegetarian always like burritos or Thai food or other categories. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other piece in this is that dairy is associated with meat production. Right. So if you can reduce your dairy intake, do the same thing. I'm not dairy intolerant, but I've switched almost entirely to oat milk, for example. Um, and this is the biggest consumer driven shift. So of course, if you can do all of these, great. But as consumers, generally, if we can shift our mindsets away from meat, away from gas fuels, and away from this newness, then we're going to do great things. Infrastructurally, if we electrify and we maintain our key levers of a closed-loop society, like recycling and composting, excellent. And then industrial, we need to so industrially, we need to focus on water saving and reducing food waste and moving towards low-carbon materials. So. While wow. we're all experiencing this pandemic and have more time on our hands, it is a really good time to look at our habits, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping that we can all do. Yeah. Well, that's we can form. That's the, form. that's how you can hang on to that. That's awesome. Well, as we're wrapping things up, is there anything else that we wanted to run over or, or discuss? Is there any other questions that you might have for Imani? I, I'm, I'm, look, I, look, yeah. we, we covered. Yeah, we covered it all. We covered, we covered the environment. Yeah. It's <laughs> we, done. You wanted to save the world today and we did. I, I, I think. Uh, we did. I think this is it. Last, yeah. last podcast. <laughs> the, we're, we're retiring. <laughs> we're hanging it up today. We did it. <laughs> I think the good think news is that you guys in your podcast get into a lot of these in more detail, right? There's so yeah. much more that can be said, obviously. Yeah. I think the thing that I would close with is that one of the few upsides of this pandemic is that we've actually seen the effects of our lower emissions like we've created sure. these amazing yeah. people in indian cities saw the himalaya for the first time in yeah, 30 years yeah, and yeah. the canals of venice ran clear right yeah. and Dolphins. these are visuals and these are the stories the climate stories of our generation and i think they're a vision of what our future could be as we draw down our emissions so yeah, yeah. i think like coronavirus also taking on these challenges will take um, international cooperation. So some of the same channels that we've created for this treating this pandemic, hopefully are the same ones we'll use to, to work more cooperatively on this. But, sure. um, but don't you want to be a part of that, that victory, right? When we reach yeah. 2030 and we've actually done it. So take some of these and whichever resonate with you and start today. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. No, no, 2030 has been the ultimate reset, hasn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a it's a great great point to look to 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 make your make your own difference. See, yeah. Do the things that you can Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, and then, of course, um, if any of you want to reach out, I'd love to hear from you, whether that's to work on design or manufacturing or questions about any of this. But sure. you can find me on LinkedIn or my website, ImaniHamiltonDesign. Yeah, we'll definitely... Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely link all your stuff on the here. episode for sure so that they can find you. Yeah. But really Great. grateful that you came on the show today. And, and, and really, it was a wealth of information. It was a lot of stuff that people can digest and learn about. And really, you know, if you, they've only caught an episode where we kind of drilled into something specifically, this was a nice overarching view of the specific things that they can do, you know, because it yep. is that thing that we talked about on this show, which is taking it back down to the, what are the individual things that we can do to make a difference? So sure. Yeah, so we we'll call do. it our annual reminder, the annual reminder. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bring yeah. it all back together. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, Love thank it. you for joining us today on the Buy Friendly Podcast. We're going to sit here like a couple of chums and do our little wrap-up. So you're welcome to, to disconnect, and we'll end the show right here, or you can sit there and watch us try to get through our tags. It's up to you. <laughs> I'll listen to your tags. Okay. All right. All right. Hey. She voted for tags. She voted for tags. Right. So it, is, it always it, cracks me up when people decide to bail. When, when, when we have guests that go like, no, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to watch you do that. Which is, which is a which fair is, option. Which is a fair By option. Way, I'm not criticizing anybody. I would bail. Yeah, for I'd sure. I'd be like, I can't watch you idiots go through this whole thing <laughs> right. again. Especially yeah. if you've li- listened to almost a year of us yeah. struggling our way through our tags. Which yeah. We're closing well, in Well, today on... in particular, I think I'm going to forget. I got a good okay. feeling about that. Okay, okay, good. Yeah. All right. Um, we are your beacon of light in a gloomy environment. Featuring greater parasympathetic nerve activity. More than just charismatic megafauna. Dolphins don't quit. <laughs> yes, nature is perfect. Look at eggs. We are y'all inclusive. Uh, don't mess with Smokey on this show. There is another one, isn't there? The award-winning Biofriendly Podcast? Oh, yeah, the, we are award-winning. We won the award-winning. Welcome to the award. award-winning. No, <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye from the, from award- the award-winning Biofriendly Podcast. We need to podcast. open with the award-winning. Podcast. Should we start opening with that? We should start opening. This is the Welcome award-winning? Welcome to the award-winning Biofriendly. I don't know. I, this is how it goes this, every single week of money. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for and for yeah for everything. It was a great It was. It was a great yeah. little environmental recap. Yeah, it was. It was a reset for all of us. So yeah. thank you for coming through and doing that. Thanks and, for and, uh, having me. Yeah. And now we'll Muppet wave our, wave our, our way out of here. Like okay. We Ready? Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Bye. you, Money. Have, Have a good one. Have a good one. Bio-Friendly Podcast. It's the Bio-Friendly Podcast.